1: So very excited. I'm always excited. It's the Indiana Outdoor Show, and I'm your host, Brian Pointer. Why am I excited, you ask? Very good question. When I was a little boy, my dad taught me the value of conservation and history, and he loved the outdoors. Passed that along to me. I picked it up. One of the very first experiences I had was hunting deer in the state of Indiana with a bear whitetail hunter. Many, many, many people are listening to this going, I shot the same thing. I learned how to shoot that. Killed my first deer with that. And we're going to have an extended conversation with Gene Hopkins. You know him as president of the Indiana Sportsman's Roundtable. But today, he's going to visit with me because he is... Indiana's certainly foremost historian and collector of archery and history, art, historical archery stuff in his collection, and it's nationally famous. He's sought after as a speaker, and he was up at the Fred Bear Days recently in Grayling, Michigan, and I'm so thrilled to have him. Not talk about legislature and other things, but talk about what that meant to him and why Fred Bear is so influential that he's filling halls to celebrate what would be his 120th birthday. So he's going to be with us. Andy Parrish, Andy Parrish Outdoors, is going to share an experience that this gets right to the core of what I love how would you like to go out and be in a tent, negative 20 degree temperatures in the boundary waters? See, that appeals to me because I'm a little, I got a screw loose, but he's going to talk about how they did this with this group and he's going to share some of the things he learned about extreme winter camping and it sounds glorious. We're going to find out all the details and stories from one of Indiana's outdoor communicators, Andy Parrish. Also today, a great opportunity to introduce brand new affiliate down in Monroe County, Bloomington, Indiana, WGCL AM FM. So thrilled that you decided to see the light and welcome you to the indiana outdoor family here on network indiana folks it is a big show i don't want to take any more time away from gene because we're going to give him as many segments as the guy will give us about the history and importance of fred bear and why he meant so many so much to so many including myself it's indiana outdoor show gene hopkins right after this It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. What a beautiful weekend here in the state of Indiana. My gosh, the weather has changed or is changing. One minute it's 70, the next minute it's 20. Welcome to Indiana in early spring, late winter. Of course, basketball, boys basketball, tourney time. You never know. We could get that... Final dump of snow. It seems to never fail. Nonetheless, we're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, Driven to Save Lives, the number two dot org, Driven to Save Lives dot org, help to save lives and heal others. You can do that when you buy your hunting and fishing license. Couldn't be any easier. And it is, uh, my gosh, there's so much getting ready for spring turkey season. We've got mushroom festivals. We got all kinds of great springtime traditions. Last weekend, the uh, Over in Park County, just did a little solo drive around Park County to the maple syrup camps. It's always one of my favorites. Beautiful day for a drive. Took the old big dog with me and he got to get out and get a little vitamin D as well. But we're back in the studio. Always great to be with you. Today, I couldn't be more excited. I've been looking forward to this all week. Our good friend, you know him as the president of the Indiana Sportsman's Roundtable, and we appreciate his contributions. But today, I know him as my friend and lifelong archer, archer historian archery collector of all sorts and just is a wealth of knowledge. Gene Hopkins joins me today. Gene, it's great to have you back on Indian Outdoors. And this is kind of fun because we get to talk about something that you and I both love, but you have such a depth of knowledge and a history of, of archery and collecting and all the great people that you've met along the way. I wanted to have an extended conversation because I saw you had a pretty recent Pretty interesting kind of once-in-a-lifetime visit. So thanks for being here on Indiana Outdoors once again. How you been?
0: I've been great. I just rolled in this morning at 4 a.m. from the great state of Michigan and my visit up there in the stomping grounds of Fred Bear and Grayling and uh, celebrating Fred's 121st birthday at the uh, what is now the annual Fred Bear Day, they call it. This is the sixth annual Fred Bear Day. And, uh, so it was great.
1: Well, for this is this is why I love to talk about this because when I was a little guy, uh, I was introduced to bow hunting before any time that I could kill with a a deer with a with a gun. My dad said, "You're going to learn how to bow hunt, and you're going to learn how to shoot a bow." And my first bow was a Bear Whitetail Hunter, which many, many, many people started with because it had adjustable cams and you could grow into it. And I just thought I was the biggest dude on the east side of Indianapolis in my backyard shooting into hay bales with that thing. And my dad was a little bit, you know, he was a jack of all trades and he loved to tell stories and he had a wealth of inconsequential knowledge like I do. But he'd always talk about Fred Bear and talk about this guy, and I got interested in the archery side of things, so I started looking into this guy, and boy, oh boy, what a legendary figure. And you talk about uh, the Fred Bear days. Let's go back, for those that may not start at the very beginning, because we got plenty of time, and I want to make sure we give you all that time. To talk about who this person is and why he's been so influential in your life and why this visit in particular to Grayling, Michigan this year, celebrating this man's birthday is such an important milestone, not for you, but archery history.
0: You know, Fred was an innovator. He was a marketer. He was the guy that started Bear Archery Company. Um, Bear archery started in 1933, but if you go back even before that, Fred was born in Pennsylvania in 1902, and he started off, like most people do, as a a gun hunter. And when he got into his teenage years, he's, you know, gun hunting is not as challenging as as he wanted it to be, and he put down his gun, and he started shooting a bow and arrow. Um, He worked for an automotive company back then this is you know in the late 20s and that automotive company burned and he along with one of his coworkers, put together six hundred dollars each and started making leather archery back quivers and ar- and that's that was the beginning of bear archery company there in detroit michigan
1: you know the go ahead keep going
0: okay, so what what the genius of Fred there were other people you know Fred there was Howard Hill, there was Ben Pearson, and several others who were doing similar things. but the genius of Fred was that he was not just the manufacturer, and not just an inventor but he was the master of marketing and he he started writing magazine articles, and then he realized you know, if I want to grow the sport, remember this is in the early days of hunting with a bow and arrow, and there were maybe a few thousand people in the whole country who hunted with a bow and arrow during this time. So he realized if he was going to grow the sport, which indeed that would help grow his company, he needed to reach more people and, and start a more mass marketing. So he started doing movies. This is long before videos and DVDs and things like that. So he was doing movies about his hunts in the in the mid forties. And I can remember as a kid, you know, we would get together as our local archery club, and we would meet at the county library, and we would show his movies. And his movies actually made it into the movie theaters. You know, you would go to, like, the Crump Theater in Columbus, Indiana, and and watch Fred Bear movies on the big screen. And that's what got a lot of people like me involved and interested and involved in the sport of hunting with a ball and arrow. Um, American Sportsman television show early Saturday morning I'd wake up and you know I'd turn on the TV and and American Sportsman would be on every week but I would hope that Fred Bear and Glenn St. Charles would be on the American Sportsman and they would be showing videos movies of their hunts up in uh, Alaska or Canada hunting caribou or hunting grizzly bear hunting moose and that's what lit the fire in a lot of us and Fred Fred was that innovator he was that marketer he was that guy that took it to the next level for us as bull hunters.
1: You know, you mentioned several things that bring up memories for me. The American sportsman, Kurt Gowdy, like you, when I was just a little guy, again, my dad was, he loved to hunt, and I loved to hear his stories more than anything, and the people that he hung around with, and like you, the American sportsman was one of those first shows that I I look to. Well, now we've got 24 hours a day, seven days a week, multiple channels, YouTube, streaming, everything. You can get anything, anytime that you want. But in those days, as you said, an innovator he was. But the history of Fred Bear and the influence that he had with the young, with the, the people of our generation, I'll just put it that way. He's iconic, to say the least. And y- you got very interested personally in... In the history and collecting, and are probably one of the best noted local historians that I know, and have quite a collection. So let's say uh, you, you started watching the American Sportsman. you talked about your bow hunting club, and you personally had an interest in this. But where did it go from there for you personally? And we've in where you can.
0: Well, I started hunting with a bow around 1970, um, and just to, you know a little perspective there. Uh, 1970, we. Estimate there were maybe thirty-five thousand deer in the state of Indiana. That's uh, you know from the biologist estimates. And you know in nineteen seventy, gun and bow and everybody together killed six thousand deer that year. Now we kill one hundred twenty thousand deer every year, right? Um, and we don't even know what the population is, but let's say it's three, four hundred thousand. Um, just to put it in that perspective, so we would go into the woods in nineteen seventy with a bow and arrow, and we would look for a track we would we we really didn't know what we were doing but we would look for deer sign and if you found a deer track in the woods you would go get your friends and you would bring them back and show it you know there's a deer track here and that's how excited we got over even the little things so it was about not killing a deer it was about hunting a deer And I think that's where Fred also was, you know, he didn't he wasn't all about killing animals. He was all about the experience, the great outdoors. The restless spirit was one of his movies. And that I think is what really attracted a lot of people like us to that. It was the adventure, it was the challenge. It was about doing something not easy. It was about testing ourselves and getting better. And that's what I really liked about Fred Bear. You know, and later uh, I started an archery store down here in Columbus, and I was a beer dealer and During my time as a beer dealer, I got to meet Fred several times and he was genuine he was real the The man you saw on TV the man you saw in the movies, the man you read about in the magazine articles being very humble but so great in his experience and so great and in you know entertaining us and and drawing us into the sport um that was the real guy there was no air about him there was no arrogance about him he would treat you like he had known you all of your life he would treat you like you were family and that was the real man
1: and that is a glory to Anyone who I hope someone in my uh, days after I pass will say the same thing about me. And you you watched his videos, you watched his movies, and I, too, saw the same type of person that came across. And, you know, we have so many people that do daring things, but you, it was, like, riveting to watch him stare down a, a grizzly bear with a bow In those early days of film and television, and you just looked at him and go, oh my gosh, this guy is superhuman. And as his legend and his life progressed, he did open a museum, I believe, in the late 60s that represented one of the largest collection of... The privately held collection of archery artifacts in the world. I think you might have the second most, by the way, but that's a sidebar (laughs) story. And ultimately, the Fred Bear Museum is now displayed at the Bass Pro Shop in Springfield, Missouri. And you know what's really great, uh, Gene, when you tell your kids, as I did when they were little, guess what? For spring break this year, we're going to Springfield, Missouri, and I did the jihad over to Springfield to the Fred Bear Museum for my kids' spring break. Now, we had to couch that in a little different way, but it was all about me at the time. So, at the end of the day, uh, he turned into this legend and this character because of what people saw in his persona on TV, but he was quite a man in his discipleship of archery and became, you know, he hung around with some great folks, you know, that are legendary, uh, the Pope and Youngs, the uh, the Ted Nugents. I mean, my gosh, the song about Fred Bear, if you could put that on any time on my CD player, you're going to get my, I might get caught in a speed trap. But Tell me about what you did with all that, and I know you recently, let's talk about Grayling, because that's kind of the world headquarters. You talk about your the, the sixth time, I think you said that you've been up there to celebrate his birthday. What happens at this event, and why do people still come?
0: Well, let me let me back up a little bit, Brian, because this story, I think, is really you know, pertinent to what you said about Ted Nugent and Fred Bear and that experience. And then we'll go into the museum, or we'll go into the Fred Bear Day celebration. But uh, Ted Nugent has a song called Fred Bear. And if you ha- if your listeners haven't heard Fred Bear by Ted Nugent, Google it, pull it up, listen to it. It really brings you into the spirit of what Fred Bear is, you know, Fred- Ted Nugent, the rock and roller. They were good friends, and Ted Nugent wrote this song after Fred passed in tribute to Fred. But at the end of the song is actually a recording of Fred's voice. And Fred says to close the song, if some of our teenage thrill seekers really want to go out and get a thrill, let them go into the Northwoods and tangle with a grizzly bear or a polar bear or a brown bear to get their thrill. It will cleanse the soul I, I just, that just brings it all together for me. You know, we think we're so self-important. We think we're so great and self-centered and all this. Um, and you think you're tough and, you know, it's all the problems we have, gangs and violence and all this stuff. Go into the woods with a bow and arrow and go after a grizzly bear or a polar bear yeah. or a brown bear. And that will challenge you and that will bring you back to Earth. And that will cleanse your soul.
1: As Ted Nugent told me the first time I had the opportunity to visit with him in person and he was on this show, he said, you want to talk about an adrenaline rush and you want to get these kids away from their video games, try staring down a a snot-dripping, bugling elk at 20 yards and tell me that that's not the best rush you've ever had. And that about sums it up when you talk about Ted Nugent and the same spirit that Fred Bear brought uh, to his world. We're going to continue this conversation because I want to transition to your recent trip up there and the people that gather and what that means and a very special event that took place that you were a part of while you were up there. Can you stay with me through another segment? Absolutely. We're visiting with Gene Hopkins. Not talking about our usual line of stuff. We're talking about something far more interesting, which is Fred Bear and his history and uh, your personal relationship, Gene's personal relationship. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I, your host Brian Pointer, brought to you by Indiana Donor Network. We're going to be back right after this. Is the Indiana Outdoor Show, and I'm your host, Brian Pointer. So grateful to be with you, especially on a day when we can talk about one of my favorite subjects, several of my favorite subjects all wrapped into the same conversation archery, the outdoors, and with one of my favorite people, Gene Hopkins. And Gene just came back from Fred Bear days up in Grayling, Michigan. And it's always great to visit with you because you have such a command of archery history and a true collector and historian. But You had a pretty once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah, you know, I was in Grayling, as you said, for the uh, 6th Annual Fred Bear Day, which is the celebration of Fred's birthday on March 5th. Uh, He was born in 1902. He passed in 1988. But because of the significance and the impact he has on people and still has on people, um, Grayling now hosts this Fred Bear Day event every year on his birthday this year i went up to fred bear day and it's grown to the point where they packed the convention center uh that's completely sold out um, people coming all the way from okinawa 7000 miles this year we had wow some, um we had people come from california we had people come from alabama you know in florida why so, but why why do they come so far you know fred bear has that has that command over us, you know, that respect, you know, I don't want to say it's not a reverence and, you know, it's not a, he's not uh, a God. (laughs) He's not a God. You know, there's, there was only one man that deserves that reverence, but the, the mentorship he gave us and the, and the command that we he had over us to mentor us and bring us to, he kept me out of trouble. You know, when I went into the woods as a teenager with my bow and arrow, that's what kept me off the street and that was because of Fred Bear and that was because of people like Glenn St. Charles so you know that's the, that's the impact he had on our lives and still 121 years after his birth he still has that impact on people so we have Fred Bear day we go out to the old factory grounds there in Grayling and people line up for a chance just a chance to on draw one of the 21 arrows that they shoot 21 arrow salute every March 5th uh, to honor Fred Bear's birthday. Um, Fred's granddaughters and um, stepson come. Um, it's a big family reunion, you know. I, I, I was one of the speakers this year and I said we come to this event as friends, we leave as family. And that's it's that's why Fred Bear has that, you know. It's just you're part of the Fred Bear family. Um, <clears throat> and then after the event, their Fred Bear's home is about a hundred yard walk from the old um, plant, but that's, it's a private residence now, and I was invited by the current owner to come over and, and tour the Fred Bear house, and with me was Hannah Kroll, and she um, was Charlie Kroll's wife, but she was Fred Bear's step-granddaughter. So Hannah went with went with me over to the Fred Bear house and and the owner gave, you know, let us come in and Hannah gave me a personal tour of the house and she told all the stories of growing up there with Fred and what happened, you know, we had this here and we had that there and this is what this is and it was just so fantastic to go through, you know, that house where someone you respect so highly uh lived his life and and with somebody who spent time there. The house was built in 1952. Um and look out and I saw this house, I saw the lake, I saw the dock where Fred would paddle his you know canoe up to the dock and get out. That's all still there, just like the day Fred left um so that
1: definitely what a neat about- experience for someone who has an appreciation and such a reverence for a a historical figure and a mentor influencer on your life
0: yeah and, and it continues you know like I said every year you see young people come you see eight, ten twelve year old kids come to this. Fred Bear Day. And so it's growing, it's spreading, and it's, it's, you know, he's not going away. He's getting bigger.
1: Quite a difference from when he started his company. I believe history has, uh, a rumor has it, that he kind of, he and his wife slept in a tent to save money as he was starting this, and he developed a patent, you know, for the first. Uh, I have for composite archery bow and look at what we've done today. We now have bows that shoot 400 feet a second and all this other stuff. It's, it's insane but the legend that he is and the man he's equivalent, I think to many of the pioneering historians of a boone, a Crockett, a Kit Carson, all those folks who developed the I'm, West and right. did such legendary things that they're just they're just mythical.
0: They're mythical and real all at the same time. Exactly. Because we got to know Fred Bear, you know. Yeah, I would love to have met Daniel Boone, Davy Crockett, but Fred Bear was during our lifetime and we got to meet him. We got to shake hands with him. We got to talk with him. So mythical and real all at the same time. And that uh, I think, you know, that just transcends um, who the man is.
1: Well, if you're interested, is I've already noted, there is the current museum that has been moved to the Springfield home of the Bass Pro Shop, which is just a fantastic place to visit. It's truly a destination. And if you want to walk through there, you kind of feel his spirit still alive. And I am thrilled that you were able to share your story I'm even more thrilled that you had that personal opportunity because I know how much that meant to you but you developed quite a collection in your own right of historic and uh, traditional archery equipment that's a source of pride and you could probably have your own museum
0: you know I'm working uh, with a large manufacturer I'll leave the name unknown right now but you know you can probably read between the lines who it is to get them to uh, to maybe do that and uh, you know I told them all you need is the space i have the equipment i don't want to sell it but i certainly would be willing to loan it and we could put together one heck of a museum for people to come and see so that could happen
1: well i am so thrilled you know i just i, I as we're reminiscing about this i remember these movies you talk about of his polar bear hunts in particular that I don't remember the details. I just remember as a little guy. And just imagine this. This guy was trying to kill a polar bear with a bow and arrow. And I was like, who is this guy? I want to be him. Yeah. <laughs> and now we have all these legends of the outdoors, but he is truly one of them. And, boy, I tell you what, I can't thank you enough, Gene, for sharing and reminiscing. You're always great and conscientious with with uh, all the stuff that you bring to Indiana Outdoors. And this is just a personal story that I think is worthy of people going back and let's not forget history, let's remember who made history and where it all began, and Fred Baer, certainly one of them, and he held some esteemed company, including you. So thanks for sharing your story and being a part of Indiana Outdoors as always. And next time we'll probably get back to business. How's that?
0: How's that? We'll do that. And, then you know, I just want to say that, this whole, you know, what I'm doing right now, what I'm going around and I'm doing, I'm setting up my collection at different places and I'm talking to people at different events and things like that. I call it keeping the spirit alive. And that's what we need to do. You know, the Glenn St. Charles and the Fred Bears and the Howard Hills, they did so much for us. And we've got to keep their spirit alive. And uh, let's carry that on to the next generation's.
1: Now I'm going to have to get in my car when this is over and crank up a little nudge. All right, my friend. Thank you so much. I appreciate you as always. Great story. Thanks for being a part of Indiana Outdoors. Thank you, Brian. My pleasure. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. Could have talked for hours about that, and I know he could too. So maybe we'll have to do this another time. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I, your host, Brian Pointer, brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. Don't go anywhere. You ever thought about doing a little hot tenting in 20 below zero. We're going to find out how you do it right after this. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I am your host, Brian Pointer. So great to be with you here in the studios today, always great to welcome new affiliates, WGCL, AM, FM, in Bloomington. Thank you so much for joining. The Indiana Outdoor family had a great visit with Gene Hopkins, one of... Literally the nation's best archery historians, lives here in Indiana. Great friend. You know him from the Sportsman's Roundtable. Had a unique opportunity to actually get a personal tour of Fred Bear's home up in Grayling, Michigan. Just returned from his six annual Fred Bear Days up there. Sold out. Massive crowds growing and growing. Great to have him share some of the history and influence of the legend of Fred Bear. Speaking of legends, Andy Parrish, good friend of Indiana Outdoors. You're becoming legendary because you're a little bit off-center, my friend. I understand that you just took Parish Outdoors up to the Boundary Waters to negative 20-plus degree temperatures for a little camping. Are you an idiot? What's going on in your life? How you been? What?
2: i'm good brian uh, good to talk to you again uh, yeah uh, some people think I'm, i might be a little off because my choice of uh entertainment and excitement is a, is a little different um i had a group of friends that uh live up in wisconsin and minnesota that invited me up this year to do what they call um the death march um it's actually a winter sign me up I'll be, I'll be there tomorrow <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, you know, I the the name says it all. I guess uh, they they really uh, are trying to keep it limited and and have it sound not that interesting. But uh, the death march is actually a lot of fun. Um, they do uh, a group of guys goes out. Um, they've got a ton of experience doing this, going out into the boundary waters or other. Just you know. Uh, State properties and things like that around Minnesota, Wisconsin, and do you know winter sports, winter activities? But it it uh, is a different world than anything I've ever experienced. So when I got the opportunity to, to jump on board, uh, I, I jumped at it.
1: Well, that says a lot because. Parish Outdoors, follow him on social media, on YouTube. You're quite a teacher. One of the things that I value about uh, your contributions here on Indian Outdoors is you practice what you preach. You help mentor youth and scouts and other things, getting them into the great outdoors. And you've taken some pretty epic trips and I'm jealous first and foremost. And I am probably as off base as you because going up there and doing that type of a trip in negative 20 is very appealing to me. Now, if I didn't have a, you know, I'm a good sneeze away from a structural collapse of my joints right now. But as soon as that gets fixed, I want to join you on one of these because that actually appeals to me. But there's some real skill here. And that's what I wanted to focus on. You can't just go up to the boundary waters to a negative 20 environment in the middle of winter and, uh, you know, throw together a a sleeping bag and a tarp and a canopy and say, okay, we're going to do this. What what unique preparations did you have to make?
2: Yeah, there's quite a bit, um, you know, and and I'm. I'm a big proponent of kind of expanding your skill set, learning new things, uh, being able to adapt to different environments. And I I love teaching folks that are less experienced, um, you know, how to get into the back, you know, backcountry, into the outdoors and, and that sort of thing. But this was kind of a chance for me to flip the script and for me to be, you know, the learner. So meeting up with guys that have done this for 20, 30 years plus, um, was really was really important. I'm a big proponent in um, learning from people that have a lot more experience in the environment that you're looking to gain experience. So, you know, if you're you're new to backpacking and camping, find some folks that have a little bit more experience. You know, in this instance going into the the deep winter kind of environment find some folks that have a ton of experience and just pepper them with questions so what'd so you learn a lot of
1: give me some takeaways there a
2: lot of stuff oh my goodness it was every day was like a master class of just different things things that you wouldn't even necessarily um think about you know going in things like you know we we, we showed up we're, we're hiking across frozen lakes you know where, where i'm from here in indiana you, you're always kind of taught you never go onto the onto the ice
1: no i well, uh, no it, ice is safe ice that's what i've always but you can do it exactly. but you got to be you got to know what you're doing keep going
2: right so you know they're they're talking to the rangers um in the area getting kind of assessment on on ice conditions all these kind of things um, you know they're bringing equipment to, to actually chip through the ice so they can do measurements So they have an idea of just what the conditions of the ice are, even as we're, you know, getting ready to go across the different types of lakes. Um, You know, we had to um, dig out at our campsite a, a huge chunk of the lake just to get to water so that we could have water that we could, you know, scoop into kettles, bring back to the fire, boil and and then load them into you know we had these big like insulated you know Stanley um, thermoses just to keep your water from f- freezing because you know it got below -20 degrees a few different nights so
1: i understand like
2: that it's just
1: i understand yeah, that uh, even though it was -20 at night you kind of slept cozy tell me about the setup
2: so um, one thing that I've been really learning a lot the last two years on is a type of camping called hot tending. And, you know, a lot, I know a lot of hunters have used this across the country for years. Um, it's it's kind of making its way a little bit more into the backpacking community, lighter weight, portable options where, you know, we can throw items onto a sled and, and drag them out to camp. So you've got a, actually a wood-burning stove and, and chimney system built into the tent so we can run, you know, fires in the tent um, all night long if you wanted to. Uh, the joke was to see how hot we could actually get the tent <laughs> when it was negative 20 degrees outside. And, and the record on this outing, um, the, so my tent is kind of like a big teepee style tent. So all the heat kind of funnels right to that top peak. So that's where I throw one of the thermometers. And we got the thing to hit 90 degrees at one point
1: so i love it you know what i love stories of adventure and this is riddled with adventure and you do learn you do experience and you're going to take all this wisdom and impart it on so many others through your youtube and your teaching and your social media and i know that you are one that loves to get together with your gaggle of friends and making new friends around the midwest and experiencing new things and that's what i love about you and so you got it up to 90 degrees but I'm imagine like things like firewood and cooking how'd you do that
2: Well, so that's a huge part. I think we spent most of our free time was doing those camp chores, you know, uh, collecting, processing firewood. Um, was a huge, huge part of it, so you know we got to work a little bit with um some of the the saws that we brought up, everything from folding saws to bow saws to people had hatchets and um larger splitters, so that we could process quite a few. We had uh six guys. Um, two hot tents, um, they go through a lot of wood. Yeah. So, you know, and there's rules and regulations in the Boundary Waters of, you know, you know how to properly collect and process firewood and all that. So you've got to learn what those are in the environment you're going into and abide by those. And But we would spend, you know, a good chunk of the morning, let's have breakfast, let's eat well. And, and when you're in a hot tent, um, you don't have to skimp. So, you know, we're making omelets and bacon and, and everything me. every morning morning and we're eating like kings i this is one of the few like backcountry trips where i came back gaining weight you know Uh, what even with all the activity we were doing
1: i love this story we could go on forever i'm going to save some for the next time andy you're one of my favorites social media just google andy Parrish, local guy love you for being a part of indiana outdoors love these stories let's do it again okay real soon Thanks, Ryan. My pleasure. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. Could have gone on with him forever. Gosh, we need a longer show. Don't go anywhere. It's the Indiana Outdoor Show right after this. Oops, I did it again. Isn't there a song about that? It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I, your host, Brian Pointer, went a little long, but uh, thanks to our sponsors. Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. What a great show. Could have talked about Fred Bear. He's meant so much to so many. And in a personal way, Gene Hopkins sharing some very intimate stories and of his own and a recent trip to his house and back to Grayling, Michigan for the six annual Fred Bear Days. Andy Parrish, local Hoosier, great teacher, great outdoor adventurer, hot tenting and negative 20 degree temperatures up in the boundary waters. Could have talked to him forever ever and ever many thanks to our latest affiliate double gcl FMAM in bloomington folks you know how we're gonna end this remember turn in a poacher 1-800-TIP-I-D-N-R spring such a great time get out and enjoy this beautiful woods the morels coming soon you be safe no matter what you do get out in the great indian outdoors and i hope to see you outside and for sure we'll be back next weekend it's the indian outdoor show have a good weekend everybody